Good afternoon, everyone uh, listening. I just want to welcome you to the Jars of Clay podcast. My name is Luke Brown. I know most of you that are listening in probably uh, know me from, uh, well, you know me personally. You've seen this on my Facebook or other social media accounts about this podcast starting up. Um, But if you're not, if you do not know me uh, and just happen to stumble across this, Due to, uh, I guess, God's providence, um, I do want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. Um, a little bit about me, if you don't know me, like I said, my name is Luke Brown. Currently, I am um, 19 years old. I'm going to Boyce College. Well, I'm doing online classes at uh, Boyce College in the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, and... I guess you would say that my, you could probably tell early on that this is kind of a uh, Christian-based podcast, and um, I actually have a kind of, I guess you would say, a unique story when it comes to uh, God's calling on my life. Um, Growing up, of course, I I grew up in in the Bible Belt. I always grew up uh, surrounded in church, both my parents served then and currently serve uh, active, actively in the church body. My dad being a deacon and my mom um, leading Sunday school. She was a youth leader for many years uh, all throughout both, well, all three uh, children she had and me and my two older brothers or upbringing. upbringing um, she helped with the uh, youth then. So we were always uh, surrounded by in the church setting. Uh, we were well discipled. Um, serving in the church was definitely not a foreign idea to us. So we're, me and my brothers are definitely blessed in that uh, fact. Uh, however, I would say that I really didn't grasp the truth of the gospel, the truth of the uh as us as as human beings, our sinful nature and the depravity it brings us and the damnation that it brings us. And um, in result of seeing the hopelessness within ourselves, uh, within myself and my sin, and looking to Jesus and seeing the only source for salvation, I placed fully my faith in him alone and started following him. And not too long after that, let's say I was probably around 11, 12 years old then. Um, not too long after that, I felt this kind of peculiar call to preach. And because of uh, this feeling of it being called to preach, it kind of it caught me extremely off guard. Uh, all throughout my childhood, I was a very shy kid. Uh, didn't want, didn't like talking in front of crowds for sure. That, I mean, you want to talk about social anxiety in that extreme? I mean, man, that made me tremble just thinking about. So, just thinking about uh, not only talking in front of people, but talking in front of people about Christ. That was something I had. I had to tread very carefully on. I had to really dig deep find out what exactly this call was and how I needed to go about it. Especially at that young age, I was like, what do I need to do? Um, 
because all the preachers I had seen before were at least in their mid-20s, maybe late 20s, early 30s. And that was the young uh, extreme in those uh, preachers. Usually, I'd say the average was probably in their 50s or 60s or 70s. So I really needed to do my research, do my homework, I guess you could say, uh, dive deep in the Word, dive deep in prayer, and see exactly how God wanted me to go about this. Uh, and so Valentine's Day of 2016, I I guess you could call it a sermon. Uh, it really, I, I guess I'd just count that as my start ministry at least. Uh, but at Blackjack Baptist Church in Franklin, some of you that are listening probably go there. Uh, they have been a great home church for me. Uh, extremely supportive, loving, uh, just a great church family. So if you're from there, great shout out to you. Uh, but Valentine's Day of 2016, mom's a youth leader there. And we had this youth Sunday where the youth led the service. There had been a gentleman, he was probably, I think he's five, four or five years older than me. So he um, he was kind of the, the guy who preached then. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, maybe, you know, we could split this where I'll preach some and then he'll preach the rest. And that's what we did. And in fact, so leading up to that point, when I knew I was going to preach that day, I mean, there were many sleepless nights because I would be stressing about it. I'd be like, well, what if I get up there and absolutely just, you know, lose every train of thought that I possibly could have had. Um, And so that... Valentine's Day gets there, and there was talk of snow coming in, and they talked about canceling, and I was like, please do not cancel. I told my mom, please do not cancel. If you cancel, I don't know if I'll be willing to do this next week, so I just need, it's now or never, Uh, and luckily, it really, it wasn't, it wasn't snowing at all that morning, and so we get to church, still not snowing, so we were like, okay, maybe it'll hold off till that afternoon, evening, maybe night, you know, who knows. So the service starts, and it, so it's still cloudy. It's not sunny, but it's, it's cloudy, but it's just not any type of snow or rain or anything. Um, and so we can't see the outside during the service, so I don't know what's going on, on outside. I get through it. I thought I would be like 15 to 20 minutes. I wound up going five because I was so nervous, taught so fast. In fact, uh, a <laughs> church member uh, when I recently got ordained at Blackjack, it was in fact, it was last month, which would have been October. Uh, she comes up to me and, I, and she goes, I remember the the thing I said to you after you got done was just don't talk so fast, which I might be doing now. That's just a bad habit of mine. Um, <laughs> but so I, I got through in those five minutes and then the gentleman went after me. And then we went throughout the service, went fine. Uh, a great, positive, supportive reaction from the congregation really built me up, uh, encouraged me. And I kid you not, when they opened the door to leave service, it looked like a blizzard. I mean, you want to talk about that service might have, might have lasted a little bit over an hour. And just in an hour's time, you go from no snow 
to it. It literally looks like Antarctica. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, so I, I definitely have a funny first sermon story uh, to tell you, and maybe hopefully you got some humor off of that. Uh, but my greatest challenge, honestly, in my ministry so far, in the almost seven years I've been doing this, which in the grand scheme of things is not long at all, um, but right now it feels like I've been doing it for a long time because I've been doing it all my teenage life. Uh, but the greatest challenge for me, and this is where complete hesitancy left and desire took its place, is that in eighth grade, so I started preaching, and I think I was in seventh grade. The next year, eighth grade, I'd been doing it. Um, this happened in the same year, so just a couple months. And I'd already started kind of gaining that reputation of, you know, this is the preacher kid, um, which you're used to hearing preacher's kid. I was the preacher kid, the preacher boy. Um, I kind of started getting this reputation. And so in the school I was at, the middle school I was at, really um, the majority of us were Christian. I mean, that's just the culture of the school. We weren't really diverse in that matter uh however there was one kid who um there was word that he was calling himself an atheist which for a middle schooler i mean especially in russellville kentucky is definitely kind of it catches you off guard because you're like especially in eighth grade that young kind of you know it's just odd uh, you're not used to that so obviously when kids hear this, they're like, oh, they come to me and get, they go, oh, this, this guy's an atheist. You need to talk to him. I was like, okay. So already I kind of start having this nervousness because I'm just getting, I'm still battling uh, my hesitation of talking in front of people. I still have a whole nother battle of just talking to someone one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, so, and especially talking one-on-one -on -one with a person that I know will not agree with me. I'm, I was like, I'm not ready for this yet. So I'm like stressing over it. And I know that I need to talk to him, but I'm like, I'm, I'm battling a lot with that. And so a couple of months go by in the year. And another thing about this kid is that he was um, an outsider. He was a loner. He really... Um, didn't talk much with other kids. He, he was a very nice guy when you would talk to him, uh, but he just, you know, a very shy kid. And I remember at lunch, this is, this would be the time that I would have the most to talk to him um, is so lunch happens and I look to my right and he's sitting by himself and he would always sit by himself. And it would be in this moment that one, I got out of that lunch line I'll get out. I'll look to my right. The guy's sitting there. And I'm like, I feel this um, battle going on inside me. That's just the Lord is telling me, go over there and talk to him. But yet that, that hesitancy was still there. And it won every time. I wish I could tell you that it won that one time, but it didn't. Um, or hesitancy lost that one time, but it didn't. Um because I would always tell myself, I have tomorrow, I have tomorrow, I have next week, I have this time. Um, but the time came, it was 
a, a break. Uh, I can't remember exactly when it was. I want to say it was probably fall break, I would say. Maybe Thanksgiving. Um, actually, now that I think about it, it was probably Thanksgiving break. Around this time of year, actually. We leave school, we come back from we come back from that break, and Hunter, the kid, he, he's not at school. And we're like, well, what's happened? You know, it's been a couple weeks. It, like, did he move? What's going on? And we finally find out why is because he had developed leukemia uh, in the brain. And so obviously this is devastating news. It's like, you know, obviously when you hear someone that, you consider a friend, uh, an acquaintance, someone you know and talk to every day, um, or you're around every day, hearing that they have cancer, I mean, it just kind of rocks your world there for a minute because it's just so unexpected for also a kid that young. I mean, that's almost a whole nother ball game there too. Uh, so we're, we're all just devastated by this. And so we go... A couple, I think maybe a month or two of the occasional update. Sometimes he would be doing good. Sometimes he would be doing bad. Um, and he went through a surgery on his brain. Uh, I think they were trying to remove some of the cancer cells. I think some, maybe like a tumor or something like that. And the surgery actually wound up going bad. Uh, and he was placed in a medically induced coma. I think it was like 72 hours and he wound up getting out of that coma, thankfully, but um, it wasn't too long after that he actually passed away. And so when that happened, I mean, you want to talk about guilt. I carried that for the longest time um, because I, I lived no, like not really knowing if someone had, reached out to him if he had been saying, I was like, I, I, I'm clueless here. I have no information, no, no info to go off of. And so his funeral, um, comes, which I, to this day, I would say is the most terrifying experience of my life. Uh, cause it was an open casket. And I remember my dad taking me and two other classmates. Uh, we went to the funeral and I took, maybe three steps toward his casket, I immediately went back to my seat. I was almost in tears just then because I was, it just, I mean, it was like a nightmare. I just, the reality of it all was just like a nightmare. And it was in my seat that I almost felt that, that confirmation. Cause until the, until then I was like, is this really what I'm called to do? Is this really what God wants me to do for the rest of my life? Uh, especially with me battling, like, having so much hesitancy, like, am I going to have this the rest of my life? It was in that moment that literally every single bit of hesitancy left. It was God telling me, this is what I want. This is why I've called you to this, to this specific calling to preach to proclaim my word to others is so that way you, you don't have you and also people that knew him to live their life wondering uh, or questioning that either one, 
that loved one has made the decision to follow Christ or not. And two, if they themselves have they have they placed their faith in Christ or not. Um uh, so that way you can bring them that as the song says, that blessed assurance that Christ is theirs and they are Christ. Uh, they are of Christ. Uh, so that was really the turning point for me. And for from then on ever since, um, I've been on a journey that has um, just been following Christ and following his will on my life, trying to fulfill it to uh, the best of my ability. Um, so since then, uh, my ministry experience so far is I was a youth pastor at a local church here for two years. Uh, I was I accepted the position when I was 16, turning 17, and I, I think I left there six months ago in order to uh, pursue seminary. Um, and right now, I'm actually um, helping uh, teach Sunday school at another local church here. Um, so that is how, that is the current state of where I stand in my calling and I'm pursuing that next stage. Uh, and so really the main purpose that kind of leads me to the next topic I want to talk about is the goal of this podcast. Something I'm really passionate about that I've become very passionate about since I've uh, throughout my calling is I want people, I want specifically to some, the, the people that claim Christ, that claim to be followers, followers of Christ. I want them to deeply desire him and the things of him. I think our culture has completely warped what that looks like. Um, I think our culture has warped church and the purpose of church from worshiping Christ, bringing glory to his name, diving deep into the word, discipling one another, equipping the saints, fellowshipping together. They've turned from that, which is the original purpose, the true purpose, the good purpose. And they've warped it to being entertained, to growing in numbers. They, they want to fill the pews. They don't want to fill the people in the pews. And I think that I've seen it more and more as time goes on. You see the damage that has done in our culture. I mean, even in Russellville, Kentucky, you see it. Uh, you see Christians losing faith because their faith is not in, it's not deeply rooted. Uh, I mean, it, it's like a, it's like a weak tree that it, it just, it doesn't take much to knock down. Uh, it's like a jar of clay that you can drop that, that you can decorate it as much as you can. And we'll get in that, into that later on today. Uh, you can decorate it, paint it, 
as much as you can. But if you drop that thing from a couple inches, it is absolutely going to shatter. And I think that is what a lot of churches have done nowadays. Is that they have decided to paint up the church, to make it look good, to make it appealing to carnal men, in doing so by doing uh, in carnal methods to attract those carnal men. And what that does is, is that it builds their ego. Uh, they make the pool wider for them to soak in, for them to soak in their, uh, in the, in their glory. So that way they can brag and show people, oh, well, you know, look what we've done. When they, they just put really like a Christian name to this, to kind of cover it up. And so really that that's what I want to battle against is I want to help draw people back to diving deep in the word. So that way they're prepared to actually fight the war that we call life to fight that war day in day out of battling our own flesh and looking to Christ that will truly prep us uh, for whatever life brings all the sufferings that Christ, that life brings uh, no matter if it's the worst sickness the worst tragedies um, whatever it may be, if we're rooted in Christ, if we're rooted in the word, we will not crumble. We will not lose faith because we know that our victory is in him. So that's the whole goal of this podcast. Uh, and the reason why I've named it Jars of Clay, and this is actually the scripture that we'll be going over uh, today, is Second Corinthians 4 verses 7 through 18, Paul writes this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, and it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And this is the big thing. This is the whole, this is what I think 
rooting yourself in Christ and rooting yourself in Scripture gives you the ability of. It's so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so I want to explore four aspects of this text. Two are the elements that we see in verse seven, the right off the get-go. And the other two is the purpose of those two elements. So the first element we see is the clay jar. We see that we have this treasure, this treasure in jars of clay. Um, I think many will read this verse. And they may be thrown off by what exactly Paul is trying to say here. Um, we may think it's quite, it's just a random object to throw out there, that jars of clay. I mean, out of all things you could say, you could say um, iron pans. I don't know. Just, you know, out of, all, <laughs> out of all things, just jars of clay is just so random. But in reality, I think when you look deep enough, Jars of clay is it is it's a perfect analogy to use, especially when you realize what that jar of clay is representing. And the reality is that it re it represents us. It rep it represents human beings. And the reason why it's like I discussed with the church beforehand is that jars of clay. You think about a jar of clay. You can decorate it. You can make it just absolutely stunning. You can make it beautiful. You can make it look um, so great. But at the end of the day, it doesn't take much to break. It's very weak on its own. You would have to do a lot of things in order to make it secure. And another thing is that deep down behind all that decorative stuff is that clay jars are not quite that appealing. They're they look dirty. They're just they're they're plain. They're just not really that appealing to the eye. And so that's another thing that it relates to the human beings is that deep down we have to realize about ourselves is that we can do all these good things to make us look so great, whether it be aesthetic or it be, you know, in good deeds. We can go to church all we want. We can give to charities all we want. But it's without that treasure inside us that we will surely break. There's no if, buts, maybes about it. It will definitely break. And so... We have to also look at another truth about clay jars. This is a much be more beautiful truth. Is that the value of the clay jar is up to the owner. It's up to the maker. 
and although its worth is low and it is easy to break, the owner may still decide to put valuables in it, to put treasure in it. And may, he may still trust that jar to contain a priceless treasure. And now to any human logic, it seems like that idea sounds absolutely ridiculous. It's illogical. Uh, it doesn't make any type of sense. However, that is exactly the relationship God has with us. Is our worth is none. We're sinful people. We deserve nothing but damnation and judgment. We deserve nothing but wrath. And our chances of breaking are guaranteed. We'll, we'll, we will sin. We will fall. We will crack. However, it is through the mercy and grace of God and God alone and his love that he chooses to put his treasure inside of us and display his work of salvation through us. It has nothing to do with our deeds. Nothing. We, like Jonathan Edwards said, uh, a great preacher back in the, I forget what year he was around. Uh, I think like maybe 1700s, I might be off by that. But he said we contribute nothing to our salvation but our sin. The reason salvation had to come in the first place, that's what we contribute. We contribute nothing positive. Only Jesus does. And so only he can make an easily broken jar like us into a valued piece of art. And yes, we can try, like I said, we can try to make ourselves look good. We can try to do it by our own works, our own paint, our own decorative stuff. But it is only through him that we can we can contain such a treasure, such a gift that we should be declared righteous and we should do great works for his glory, like the text says. Uh, the whole purpose of the clay jar to show that hit that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And also it is only through him. This is the next thing that we see in the text. Uh, we see all this list of things that Paul says. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, uh, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. How in the world can you do? Can you have all these things? How in the world can you be persecuted? Can you be uh, afflicted? Can you be perplexed, but not be crushed, but not be driven to despair, but not be forsaken? I'll give you the answer to it. It's only through Christ. Still, it's Christ. It's not of our own strength. It's not of our own wisdom. It's Christ and Christ alone. It's only through him that we can withstand the hardest trials and the toughest tribulations of this world. And yeah, they may damage us. They may crush everything with of our being, but it ain't going to kill us. When it comes to eternity, it might kill us physically. Yeah, sure, it might kill us physically. But guess what? When it comes to eternity, we'll be found with Christ. 
the devil may throw every bit of ridicule of suffering our way, but at the end of the day, in eternity, we won't be with him like he wanted. We'll be with Christ because God is faithful. He provides us with a purpose and he provides us with the aid and the strength that we need in order to carry it. Which is which leads me to the next element is the treasure. Uh, for many, I think, tr when they think of treasure, they think it's materialistic. They think it's riches. They think it's money. They think it's wealth or prosperity or this or that. Uh, or maybe it's more with hat or maybe it's more of like a an emotional state. They want to be happy. They want to be comfortable. They want to be um they, they, they just want to be happy. They want to be rich. They want, you know, they want to be living in a, a luxurious life. And all these things, they seem to have a hefty weight to them. They seem to have very great importance to one's life. But the treasure of Christ himself is absolutely incomparable to any worldly thing or person. It's like I think uh, Paul Washer once said, you take everything that the world has to offer, you have, you have a scale. You put the world... And everything it has, every single thing you can imagine, great, bad, ugly, everything on one end, and you put Christ on the other, Christ still outweighs every bit of it, every single bit. So we see, and this is something we need to understand, is that the treasure God gives is life in him. It doesn't say it's going to be a comfortable life. It's not a luxurious life or a wealthy life at all. Um, in fact, it <laughs> you can read, uh, I would say, probably about 100% of Scripture, and you could probably learn that. Uh, that That's the thing that baffles me, is I don't know how you can look at a Christian life and expect you're going to, you know, just absolutely live like the world. And, yeah, so that still confuses me to this day. But anyway. Um, you can basically forget all that because it's not worth it. It has no weight to it at the end of the day. It has no importance. All that has nothing important with it. What is important is the thing that the gift that Christ gives, and that's an eternal life, one that's defeated death, one that is able to withstand and hold fast through every circum circumstance in life whether it's our uh, times where everything is going right, where we're successful, where we get that promotion, where we um, get that new house, get the new car, get this, get that, or where it's where everything's going wrong, where you have that uh, possibility of losing your job when you don't know how you're going to pay that next bill, Uh Whenever your ch child has cancer, whenever you have cancer, when when death is literally staring at you in the eye, all these circumstances, Christ still stands strong. He is the only that is able to display a brightest light in the darkest 
of sin, of the deepest, darkest places. His light still shines brightest. So there's nothing besides Christ that brings us that. There's nothing besides Christ that brings you all circumstances in life and you're still able to say he is enough. You can take everything else out of your life. You can take a job out of your life. And you can still be all right. You'll, you'll find another job. Uh, you can you can have a failed relationship. There's other people. You can get rejected by your dream colleges. There's still more colleges. But if you lose Christ, what else do you have? You have nothing. Absolutely not. Um, so that brings us to the next thing. We see the purpose of the treasure. We see that in verses 14 and 15, knowing that he has, that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us uh, with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that grace extends to more and more people. It may uh, so that it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And we see that th this is something, the whole purpose of the treasure, it's something that's easily, I think, uh, confused. Um, even if we understand who the true treasure is, we can get confused on what the purpose of the treasure is. Uh, many would like to think that the reason God saved us or stored his treasure inside us was to highlight us and our works. It's uh, for us to be able to say, I, me, myself, overcame this. Look what I came from. I came from the poorest of poor, now I'm the richest of rich. Look at me. In reality, uh, it's the opposite. It's not to say, look what I've done. Instead, it's to say, look what he has done. Look what he has done in my life. I was in this state, but Christ brought me out of it. And it is through him that I now live. It is through him that I stand today with a peace of mind. Not because of myself. I couldn't have done it. There's no way I could have done it. If it was up to me, I'd, I'd, I'd still be where I was, if not worse. And the text is clear of saying, by saying two things. One, it said, indeed, everything is for our benefit. And two, that it may cause thanksgiving to increase the glory of God. So, yes, it is for our benefit. He does work everything together for our good according to his purpose, like we read in Romans 8. Uh, these things are all 100% true, and they should be delighted in. But we must understand, he does this not to display our greatness or our glory. It's to display his. If anything, we're displaying, we're supposed to display our weakness so that we can display his strength. That's the whole purpose. It's not to highlight man. It's to highlight God and God alone. 
So he doesn't save us to proclaim this drastic change in us and how we've done it. He saved us so that we may proclaim the drastic change in us and how it has been done through Christ. So lastly, we see the purpose of the clay jar. What is our purpose in this? We know that the clay jar represents us. We know that the tre- what the treasure uh, in life, and we know that purpose there. We know that what it represents. But now we need to see the purpose of the clay jar. In other words, why we endure. Why the life of following Christ is a life uh, familiar with suffering and trials. Why being afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. Why all that is meaningful. Why it has purpose. And we see this in the last two verses, 16 and 18. We know that our sufferings are meaningful for this reason. It's producing. It is actually in the ESV. It is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Uh, If you ask me, (laughs) that's all the reason I need right there. Uh, you want to talk about a weight of glory that is absolutely incomparable with anything. I mean, I can't wrap my, my mind around, uh, around that. Nonetheless, <laughs> speak it. I stuttered like heck there, but it's all right. <laughs> uh, so I think this verse alone can impact and change a whole life perspective because it has mine. I think to unpack this verse correctly, I think it's important to to start with the first word, preparing. In other version, it says producing, which means building, working, doing. Things that are not instant or even quick. Rather, it's stored for for a future time. In this case, we kind of we can get a kind of an idea of a time frame here. Uh, in the previous sentence, it was worded compared to this sentence: momentary affliction, an eternal weight of glory. So you have these two phrases: momentary affliction, eternal weight of glory. Momentary, eternal. So when you have eternal. Or when you have momentary next to eternal, momentary can tell me that's probably meaning a lifetime. It's probably meaning a long time. It's not just a day. It's not just a week. It's not just a month. It may not just be a year. Now, it can be those things. Yeah, sure, it can be those things, but it's not likely. It's probably meaning decades. It's meaning a whole lifetime of suffering. But when you compare it to how long that weight of glory is, it's eternity. It's forever. I mean, you want to talk about um, a grain of sand compared to a whole bottom of the sea or a whole beach. I mean, uh, it, it just leaves you speechless. 
So, uh, of course, it's worth it. So, I think many see this and they can get discouraged. They can be like, well, I don't know if I can go a whole lifetime going through that. Uh, and I think the reason why is because they're impatient. They want the luxurious rewards of heaven to come down now. They want it to come the instant they come to Christ. They expect when they come to Christ, every problem is solved. The money comes, the person comes, everything we want. They want the great promises of God to be fulfilled right away. When the scripture, it doesn't say that, it doesn't say that they will. It doesn't say that they'll happen right away. And nor should we expect them to. Because the promise of promises of God are to come. They are to come. They will happen. They are assured that they will happen. But that doesn't mean they're yet. There's still some waiting that has to be done. But that waiting is worth it. We can know that for sure. And that's all the comfort we need, if you were to ask me. That is all the comfort we need. And I think that's why Paul encourages us at the end. Uh, not to lose heart, not to give up. Because although we may not see the reward in this lifetime, uh, you think of uh, Moses. He did all, he followed God's will all that time. He dealt with the complaining Israelites through the plagues, through this, through that. But although he was, you know, you have the promised land, he only got to see it from afar. He didn't actually get to experience it. But I can assure you where he is right now, that is completely worth it. Doing the will of God in that meantime that he had in his life, the reaping that he got to see in, e in eternity, uh, definitely made it worth it. And so I hope that as we went through this text here, that you can walk away uh, no matter if, I mean, obviously, um, you can be in all sorts of different situations, whether you're battling something, whether you're uh, in a tight spot, you don't know where that next source of money is coming from, that you're, whatever tribulation or trial that you might be experiencing, I hope that this can, uh, that this has been able to feed your soul, uh, that this has been able to aid you in taking a step back, looking to Christ and saying, you're enough. To be able to trust him more. That is my prayer for you. And so um, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, this is actually, I think this is probably the most long-winded that I've been uh, recently. So <laughs> uh, thank you for being patient and enduring through that. Uh, I hope this blesses you. And um, yeah, thank you for listening and have a blessed week.